An Absurd Prejudice The New York Times August 17, 1875 One might suppose that the popular prejudice against vaccination had died out by this time, considering that it has been practiced for nearly a century. But popular prejudices have a vitality that is truly wonderful. In Montreal, for example, there is such a strong feeling against compulsory vaccination that a popular protest on the subject actually drove the city council out of doors. This body of local legislators were considering a sanitary regulation which included a clause compelling the use of generous discovery. Certain French Canadians opposed to vaccination overpowered the council, surrounded the building, and, having compelled an adjournment, followed the retreating councilman with several volleys of stones. This is a violent way of checking objectionable legislation. In this case, it was effectual as the council, under pressure of mob law and a shower of missiles, took a recess for six months. The opponents of the world-accepted preventative of the spread of the dreadful disease probably went home in triumph, shouting, Down with vaccination! They might have added, Smallpox forever! as a logical consequence of their ignorant opposition to the wholesome regulation proposed by the Board of Health. When people insist upon going to death in their own way, it seems almost like tyranny to attempt to detain them. The Canadians would probably say, as many others in similar circumstances have done, that their health was a matter of personal concern. Being ignorant, they cannot see that the general welfare of a community may be affected by the individual neglect of ordinary precautions against disease. But this unreasoning prejudice against vaccination seems more appropriate in heathen lands than on this continent. The Chinese were made acquainted with the discovery as long ago as 1820, and the labors of the eminent British surgeon who introduced it were approved by the imperial government. The practice of inoculation for the smallpox, however, was anciently followed in China, having been imported from Turkey, possibly, in which latter country, it will be remembered, it had been observed by Lady Mary Wortley Montague at the beginning of the last century. Curiously enough, the Chinese, though they were not averse to the more dangerous remedy of inoculation, were unaccountably hostile, when not merely indifferent, to vaccination. Even when government agents and native practitioners sought to introduce this effectual preventative against contagion, the people of interior towns and cities resisted or sullenly stayed away from the posts at which surgical assistance was offered. The anti-Cooley party in California once sought to avail themselves of this celestial dislike of vaccination. It was thought that the arriving immigrants might be penned up like sheep, while official distributors of vaccine matter should go through the affrightened drove and compel submission to the operation. Under a thin guise of municipal sanitary regulation, this queer expedient to prevent the influx of Chinese was attempted. Like the barbarous notion of levying an export tax on the bodies of Chinamen dying in this country, it never had much effect. 
Unlike the French-Canadian, the Americanized Chinaman soon adopts many of the popular notions of the country. And when he finds that the Melican man approves of and practices vaccination, he submits to it with composure born of an implicit faith in the wisdom of the white man. But it is undoubtedly true that the spread of some diseases and the undue fatality of others is owing to the unaccountable refusal of many people to adopt the common precautions known to science. In a paper published in the Times the other day, a government surgeon prescribed a process of treatment for the yellow fever. He was obliged to admit that his experience showed that well-meaning but ignorant friends of patients often thwart the physician by their interference. It is a vulgar notion that fevers must be fed, and patients are forbidden cold drinks and properly ventilated apartments. When the physician takes his leave, the meddlesome attendants cover up the sick man, open wide the windows, and take away his ice water. It seems useless to quote science, and a long and successful practice against such dense stupidity as this. The ignoramus has a prejudice against the regular practitioner, and with cruel kindness he kills his friend while he attempts to protect him against the art of a learned physician. In spite of all our boasted progress, curious revelations of popular ignorance and superstition are constantly showing us how little advance has been made. Fortune tellers drive a first-rate business in all large cities. Charms, amulets, and talismans are worn by people whom we should little suspect of such weakness. Quacks in medicine flourish everywhere, and many intelligent persons tamper with their health by using preposterous nostrums because they cannot do any harm anyhow. Unfortunately, a great deal of our scientific research is made for the sake of theory, and learned treatises are directed over the heads of the people. When knowledge is more evenly distributed, there will be less of this fantastic and ignorant prejudice.